mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be beginning in verse 1 as we continue to go through Peter's testimony and instruction in sanctification uh, by the blood of Jesus. Now we have salvation through the blood of Jesus, but then we have sanctification. And as we closed our last study, we really... Um, Without the commentary, we've seen verse 18 and verse 22 together. Let me read it for you once again. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. Uh, hupotasso and that's what the church is called to do if we're going to come back into the family of God we believe in the blood of Jesus we're saying that we now have decided to hupotasso underneath the authority of God's word and it's a military term which we get into orderly ranking according to God's word according to God's authority according to what God has called us to do not according to the world now listen to me this is this is key if we begin to hupotasso according to the world of God, I guarantee you the world will hate us. I guarantee you you will suffer because the world does not like you saying that the man is the head of the family. The world does not like you saying that I get my science from God before I believe your science. The world does not want you saying I'm not afraid of that. I fear God. The world does not want you standing around attacking what they're doing because they're godless. And when you shine that light into their family, into their life, into what they have begun to construct as their own government, their own authority, their own way, you're going to suffer. Because just the general life, you're going to suffer. You're going to have some alone time. Because your friends are not going to want to be around you. You're going to have some separation that just naturally happens because they don't want to talk to you if all you're going to talk about is Jesus. If all you're going to do is point out truth, they don't want to talk to you. I had a small conversation this week with a professor of neurology. Probably I should have backed out of that conversation, but I rush in sometimes where angels fear the tread, and there I am, and I couldn't let him continue to say I was ignorant and, and cuss every time I would mention God's name. Uh, but because I was not vaccinated, he said I was ignorant, and I was going to kill my grandma 
Little did he know my grandma's already been dead for years and years and years, so I can't kill her. You know, and I told him that uh, I was covered in the blood and that I'm not afraid to die. He didn't like it when I said, you're afraid to die. I'm not. He didn't like it when I said, your science, because he kept going, follow the science, follow the science. I said, are you following the science or are you following somebody above you telling you about science? Did you do it on your laboratory table? Did you do the science? Have you done the study? He didn't like that. He didn't like it um, when I told him that his theory was messed up. He said, well, it's not a theory. I said, well, you started with a hypothesis, and then you came up with a theory. Listen to me, people. People that are trying to get us to follow things call it a theory. They can't prove it. It might change in the future, so they, they call it a theory. What, what is the theory of evolution? What are they trying to do? Get us to not follow creationism. That God spoke and created. See, because God says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Listen, God's still speaking. It's very important that you begin to have ears to hear what he's saying so that you don't get led astray by culturanity or by the world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. You need to hear the voice of God. And when God's voice speaks, his word goes out. And his word goes out to heal the land. And his word is the authority of every person that calls himself a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Well, what do you believe about Jesus? Well, I know Jesus. Well, does he know you? Because that's a relationship. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. When that relationship begins to happen, that's what Peter's trying to relate to us. Sanctification. That we begin to follow. We begin to be conformed. We begin to have a conscience that's being led by the Spirit of God. Because listening to God's Word. And now we're changing our desires. We're changing what we think and how we feel and everything that we do to fit the citizens of heaven. And not to be conformed to this world that's underneath the sway of the wicked one. And the only way to do that is by the word of God, the truth of God. Truth is a person. This truth comes from God's mind. It comes from his heart. It comes from his salvation. And to think that we can do anything else other than spend time in the word, prayer, and fellowship and still become like God is deception. This is God's revelation. He's uncovering it. He will open it to anyone that says, Lord Jesus, I believe. Open my eyes. If you're covered in the precious blood of Jesus, you need to begin to surrender. Not a commitment. Surrender. A commitment makes two sides. Surrender. You don't have anything to give. Just surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. Because it's already done for you. Just surrender. That's what we're called to do. Surrender what? Surrender all. Surrender where? Surrender everywhere. Anything in the flesh is death. But listen to me. This is what sanctification is about. You in the master's hand. You being washed and cleansed by the word of God through the spirit of God. When you begin to do that, there'll be suffering. 
As I spoke to this professor, I was fully aware that I could be fired for speaking to him. I was at work. I was fully aware of that. And I kept saying, you know what, I need to just step out of this conversation because I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to change my mind. We follow two different worldviews. He says, it's not a worldview, it's science. And I said, no, it's false science. And I couldn't step out of it because he kept saying I was ignorant. And he kept saying, bull, S-H-I-T. And I was saying, that's not true. Your hypothesis starts with a dichotomy. You don't believe in God. You're telling me you don't believe in God. You're throwing a fit about not believing in God. So I know that your science starts leaving God out. And when you leave God out of the equation, that's demonic. That's false science. That's lying science. That's from the father of all lies. So you cannot end up with truth. Now, I read years ago, and you may have never read this, and I forget who said it. It could have been Darwin. But somebody said, science is a voyage of discovery on the sea of ignorance to find the island of truth. See, true science does want to find truth, but they have modified the science. Even the climate change, they modified the models that tell you the future, and it's all a lie in order to make you afraid so that you will submit to their authority instead of trust God. With COVID, maybe there's a sickness out there I don't even know anymore. My wife almost died of something that looked like COVID. My boss almost died of COVID, of what they called COVID. But what was it really? It was designed to make you fear so you would believe them instead of the great physician. I don't care. I'm sorry you lost a loved one. The devil hates you. He wants to kill you and your loved ones. And if we don't wake up to truth, we'll keep following the fear of the world. And we talked about this last week. What was the very first thing that happened to Adam and Eve when they sinned? They heard God's voice in the garden, and they were afraid, and they hid themselves. Listen, as I said to the professor, listen, I'm covered in the blood. I'm not afraid to die. Are you afraid to die? Oh, I want to live longer. You're afraid to die because you don't know God. You don't know that this is a life where you were born dead. You come to Jesus, you come to life, and you don't have to fear anymore because eternity, you're alive. Listen, we're all eternal. The question is, is where are you going to spend eternity? The question is, are you going to come underneath God's authority now, or will you be like this verse, what was it, 318? 322, he's gone into heaven, set at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. One day, every knee will bow to the praise of his glory. Either you can bow it now because of the love and the spirit of God opens your eyes. See, if, you, if you're not bowing to the authority of God right now, if you're not bowing to God's order of things, if you're not even concerned about it, I would almost tell you that you're not saved. If you're not concerned about God's kingdom, God's authority, and what God has called you out of, and you're still living the same way you always live, I would tell you that you're not saved. I don't know that perfectly because I don't know anybody's salvation. You could just be totally deceived. But I would encourage you to live like you're not saved yet and get saved. I would encourage you. Many people say, well, I'm just backslidden. No, you might not have frontslid yet. 
You might not have gotten saved yet, and you just warmed your hands at the fire, but you've never surrendered to the work of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit doesn't just save you, but once He comes in and seals you to, for, for, for salvation, He wants to sanctify and cleanse you with the washing of the water through the Word. It's all involved in salvation. And I believe it's impossible for the Spirit of God to enter into somebody and then not change them from glory to glory. Not give them a desire to get into the Word of God. So you have to resist God. You have to resist the work of God. And I didn't have it in my notes, but we can go look at uh, Revelation 3, 2, I'm sorry, 2 just come to my mind the church of is it two or three turn to revelation i'll get it for you i'm looking for it it's three revelation three it's where our memory verse is at this week but three one it listen to me it's the dead church do you believe there can be a dead church? Listen, Christ gives life. Can there be a dead church? It says it's the dead church. And the, to the angel of the church of Sardis, Sardis means remnant, right? These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. I know how you're living, that you have a name, that you are alive. You say you're a Christian. You say your name is always authority, character, nature, who you're obeying. But you are dead. Oh, I'm alive. I believe in God. You're dead, God says. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. He's talking to a church. He's talking to people who think they're alive, but they're asleep. They're in apostasy. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Isn't that what he says to the watching world? And he's saying it to his church. You have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Here it is. He who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is what he's saying to the church. Listen, we can be in the church saying we're alive and we're dead. Because we're not asking the Holy Spirit to lead us. We're not cooperating with the Holy Spirit. We're not understanding that God wants to change who we are. He didn't just give us a new uh, 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 heart. He didn't just deliver us from the, the, the grave, the devil. But he wants to give us a new home, a new hope, a new future. He wants to change the way we think, what our desires are, how we act down here. He wants to make us like his son Jesus, 
whom we just read the testimony, he suffered once for all, the just for the unjust, the righteous one for the unrighteous one in our own terms because we don't understand just. And then when we believe that he did that, and we know he did, he rose from the grave the third day. And we know that from verse 22, he's now sat down at the right hand of the Father. And Hebrews tells us he's making intercessions for us. He's praying for us. What's he praying if we're already okay? He's praying that we will not be tempted and follow the devil and keep living the same way we always have lived, but we will follow him, be led by the Spirit, be conformed to his image. He's praying for us in the battle. He's praying for us in the war because we're still down here and he's told us to go. He's given us a commission to tell others to finish his work through us. So he tells us as we begin in 4.1, therefore, henceforth, King James, and, and again, uh, this therefore didn't need to be there. Because it's the same as verse 18 in chapter 3. Since Christ suffered for us, notice in 18 it said, for all, or Christ also suffered once for sins. He suffered for us. But notice where he suffered at. Since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Father, wake us up. Lord, that we would, we would not only hear your voice, but you would know us and we would follow you. Because my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Lord, we want to follow you. We want to be your disciples. We want to learn from you. We want you to take the burden, take all the weight. Thank you that you have. Help us to lay it down at your cross and surrender. Surrender completely. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So henceforth, or therefore, since Christ suffered for us, notice what it says, and it could say for you. Some texts say for you. They make it really personal. Since Christ suffered for you, he already did once for sins, the just for the unjust in 318. But if he suffered just for you, 
Notice where he suffered at, in the flesh. Listen, this is very important because we're spirits. We regard nothing else as flesh and blood anymore. We're spirits in a body, not bodies with a spirit. Spirits are going to live for eternity. We just read last week that Jesus went to uh, 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 the spirits that are being held in, in uh, uh, hell and preached to them after he rose. During the time that he rose, he went and preached to them. Spirits. Why is the Bible talking about spirits? Because we all are breath of life. Pneuma, the word where you get pneumatic tools. We're a breath of life that God breathed into us. And our spirits, if they're not married to God and obeying God and following God, positionally, Christ gives us that perfect marriage, that perfect obedience, that perfect position, that perfect place. But practically, we're supposed to be walking it out. That's what Peter's talking about here. That's what he's referring to here. We are spirits. If your eyes are open now, you know that you are a spirit that has a body for a short time. And you're down here in order to be an ambassador. In order to be a witness. In order to be maybe an evangelist if that's your gifting. Whatever your gifting is, you use that for the manifold grace of God. For the rest of the body. And you allow the Holy Spirit to use your life. See, the world has us focused on flesh. Well, I can't do what they're doing because I don't have a good car. I can't do what they're doing because I don't have a good house. Well, I can't do what they're doing because I don't have a good job. Well, I can't do what they're doing because I don't have this position they have. See, the world wants you to look at the fleshly position of things instead of understanding that your position is hidden in Christ Jesus and understanding that you're a child of God. And wherever you're at, you're supposed to be a witness to the people around you. No matter who they are. It's not about whether you're in the front yard or the backyard. The problem is, are you in Christ? And if you're in Christ, you're royalty. You have everything you need for a spiritual life. There's nothing missing. It's a perfect sacrifice, a perfect death, a perfect resurrection, a perfect salvation. It's perfectly been given to you. Get your eyes off the physical and understand that it's spiritual. It's your spirit. It's your spirit that Christ came to save. He died in the flesh, but he was alive in the spirit. Nobody ever did anything to his spirit. His flesh was given. And now he's asking us to give our flesh, to give our carnality, to give our lives to protect our spirit and to tell other spirits that they can come to salvation. And when you get your eyes on, when we get our eyes on, I don't want to leave me out because we're all the same. When we get our eyes on the spiritual realm and the fact that we're called to go and tell others, and if the Spirit of God is working, it'll wake up their spirit and they'll receive it. If He's not working, you'll be planting seeds because He is working. When we get our eyes fixed on that, then we're going to be having a little bit better vision of what God is doing. Now listen, though, because suffering's going to happen. Why is there no serious persecution in America? Now there's not. I know you guys got called a Jesus freak last week, and I got there uh, a couple times. But persecution is coming. 
persecution in other countries is severe. People are being beheaded, being killed. Churches are being nailed shut, burnt down. You don't hear that because they don't want you to know that. Then they got to deal with that or you see that they are more evil than what you thought because they won't deal with it because they don't care about it. Listen to me. When a person's living for Jesus, suffering will happen. I'm not talking about the pain in your body. Your body groans because it's crying out for redemption. Your body is death. It's flesh. It's supposed to die. It's an earthly tent that's not supposed to last. Yo, but I'm, I don't want to hear about it. No, I got compassion. You can tell me about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We all have pain. I'm sorry. Listen, what about your spiritual life? That's what I'm concerned about. That's what Jesus died for. He laid his body down on the cross. But he commended his spirit to the Father. He said, receive my spirit. Listen, but he was paying for your sin at the same time with his body, with his blood. But are we awake? Listen, not are we following, I go to church at, I believe in pastors. Listen, do you believe in Jesus? Does he know you? Are you listening? Are you asking the Holy Spirit to lead you? Are you being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ? Suffering is just pressure from a world that doesn't believe in him. Suffering will naturally happen in some way or form if you're living for Jesus. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse as you become more like Jesus. But if you're worried about living for Jesus, if you're worried about being sanctified, you're going to cease from sinning. Do you see what he's saying here? Now listen, none of us are going to be sinless on this planet. But you're going to worry much less about your sin and your sin nature if you're living for Jesus because you're going to start getting persecuted. You're going to start getting suffering. You're going to start seeing what real suffering's about. But the focus is supposed to be the mind of Christ. What was Christ's mind? Think about it for a minute. What was Christ's mind? Can, can you answer a question like that? Listen to me. This is why we're supposed to be in the Word of God growing and learning. The mind of Christ was to do the will of God who sent Him. That's His mind, to obey perfectly, to be the anointed of God that takes away the sins of the world. His mind was to obey perfectly because if He doesn't obey perfectly, He's not a sacrifice that we can receive. The mind of Christ was to lay his life down for others. And really, if you look at it, it's, it's, it's our conscience. Either we got a conscience that's hooked to the devil or we got a conscience that's hooked to God. And if our conscience is hooked to God and we believe in the blood of Jesus, then through that, the Holy Spirit wants to continue to show us the rest of the mind of Christ. And guess what? Suffering is going to be involved in that. I'm just here to tell you, suffering is going to be involved in that. 
You can't escape suffering. It's been granted to us to suffer. I know, that's a great gospel, isn't it? Hey, come on and join me. Let's go suffer. This is not our home. This is not our home. Think about it. We've got to get back to this spiritual place, not the temporal place. It's so easy to get sucked into the lie of the devil, sucked into this physical, sucked into where we're at, because we have to still be parents. We have to still walk through, but we have to get focused on the training in righteousness and asking the Holy Spirit what next. And that's why we're supposed to be praying. That's why we're supposed to be in the Word of God. Everything about what we're doing is supposed to be covered in the blood. And the only thing we can arm ourselves with, look at this. What does he say? Arm yourself. I did. I bought some guns. I did. I got a bazooka. I did. No, I'm teasing. It's not what he's talking about. But isn't that what we think? If we think in the flesh, Peter did. Peter said, I, I got a sword. And Jesus said, my betrayer's coming. It is enough. And he walked away. What does Peter do? He gets to the garden and he tries to rescue Jesus with a sword. Look at, look at the fleshly mind of Peter. He's writing to us now with a spiritual mind, but his fleshly mind was, you're not going to Jerusalem and that. He said, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is not of the things of God. Your mind is on Satan, your father, the father of lies. Then he's talking about being arrested. So he's like, I got, some, I got a sword here. Oh, if I'll deny you, I won't deny you. Flesh. And then they get to the garden, and Jesus is, here I am, take me. I am. And Peter pulls out the sword and cuts Malchus's ear off and says, I'll rescue you, Jesus. He wasn't supposed to be rescued. He was rescuing us. He was giving his life a ransom for us. But Peter's mind was all in this physical carnal battle that's temporal. Jesus was a spiritual battle. He knew what it was. He said, if I wanted to be set free, I would ask my father and he'd send legions of angels to fight for me. But for this purpose, I came. Now, I'm mixing some text together, but I'm trying to give you a cohesive thought of what's going on. He could have been set free at any time. But he came to do the will of the Father, to die for the sins of the world, to to lay down his flesh. He suffered in the flesh. When you suffer in the flesh, it's making your spirit stronger and conform to the image of Jesus. Now, I'm not telling you go out there and hit yourself and beat yourself and do crazy stuff to yourself, or make up stuff to do to yourself. But you have to understand that if you'll live for Jesus and put on the mind of Christ and get into the Word of God and begin to do the work of God, the way of God, for the will of God, listen, if you begin to do that, suffering is just quite naturally going to happen. And he said if you suffer for good, you'll reap reward. But if you suffer for doing evil, anybody can do that. There's a difference in suffering. Why does your body hurt? Listen, why are they picking on you? Why are you going to jail? Why are you? Is it for good or for evil? Was you living for Jesus? See, some things we're reaping what we sow. Some things we were living in lewdness and revelries and drunken parties and all kinds of stuff. And I know, not none of you guys. People in Texas, you guys have been saints since you were born. But I'm teasing, I'm jesting. Calm down. That's not biblical. 
And so we reap what we sow. Some of the problems that are going on and suffering that goes on in life is because of how we rejected God and resisted God and we run from God. But it ought not to continue now that we say we know God. But the devil tricks us. He keeps this veil over our eyes. And he keeps us thinking that I, well, it's not even fair. I go to church at the same place they do, and I should be driving a car like theirs. Really? What's that got to do with it? That's temporal. That's physical. You happen to be born in America, and if you work, I guarantee you next year you'll be doing better than you are right now today, just if you go get a job. But they're killing our desire to work. Well, how do they kill our desire to work? By giving us money for free. Who wants to work? You'd be stupid to work if you can get free money. Unless, of course, you understand that it's a spiritual war. It's a spiritual battle. You're a spirit in a body. And you've been called to work. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. When you understand that your authority comes from God and not from what the world is doing... You stop allowing them to drag you around like, like with carrots underneath your nose. Listen, there's a bunch of people not working. There's a bunch of industries. You can't even find stuff out there. Furniture, refrigerators, mushrooms. I just like to doctor my little pizzas, and there's no mushrooms on the shelf. Everything, because nobody wants to work because they're getting paid more money not to work. I don't know if you guys know how bad that things had gotten, even with the church, culturality in our country did you guys know that china was making all the medicines that our army took that our army they were in charge of making all of the medical supplies for our military that's pretty weird to me that we have leaders that would lead us i don't want to go political on you but but, but think about the spiritual war. If you don't even know what you're doing and all you're concerned about is some material money and power and this is what you'll do is that you would sell to a, comp to a country who has declared war on you that is trying to take you over and you let them make the medicines that would, he that would actually help the very men that would fight against them? Well, what do they need to do? Shoot one bullet and then give them all medicine that's tainted. Oh, it wasn't just the soldiers. It was your medicine, too. Oh, now it gets more personal, huh? Because you're not a soldier. But now you want, oh, it's the medicine you're taking. What if they're adding something to it? Well, that's what we're doing in the church today. The medicine you're supposed to be taking is the Word of God. God is the great physician, but we're allowing Big Pharma to take over our lives. And Big Pharma in America, in the physical was taken over by a bunch of people that hate us. And the devil hates you even more. And he's taken over the word of God in your life. He's taken over the voice in your life. And you're listening to the authorities of this planet instead of the voice of God. You're reading their manuals and they're watching their TV shows and listening to what they have to say, but you don't know what God has to say about your soul about your spirit that's supposed to live forever. Listen to me. Not just you, but me and other pastors. There's plenty of pastors that don't know the Word of God. And they're not interested in learning the Word of God. They have a career. They're trying to get a paycheck. They just want to go home and swim in the pool with their kids. 
they're not really concerned about your soul because they're hirelings. When you have a career, you're a hireling. Whether it's in the church or outside the church, you have a career, it's a hireling. You're doing it for the money. You're not doing it because God called you to be there. So see, the identity shifts. The suffering shifts. The pain shifts. The arming yourself is arming yourself in your mind for the spiritual war. What has God left as a provision for me? What is my identity? What is my gifting? My arming is not arming myself with guns so I can fight a physical war because it's not about the physical. Everybody's going to die. 100% of us, even those that are raptured, they will die. I got to mess with some people. They got to die. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die once and then comes the judgment. I don't know how they're going to die, but corruption puts on incorruption. It dies. Don't want to argue the point right now. I believe the truth of the word of God. But how are you arming yourself to be ready for the judgment seat of God as a spirit? Your spirit. Listen, you're not physical. God's not here to save your earthly body. Does he care about it? Yes, that's a different version of the text. But he's here to save your spirit. Your spirit is going to live for eternity someplace. He suffered in the flesh. Look at it. Let's read the text again. 4.1 Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, the sarks, he laid down his body. Arm yourselves. Prepare yourselves. Let's look what the word means. To equip with weapons, figuratively. Arm yourself. Be ready. Prepare yourself. Surround yourself with things of the Spirit of God. You need the weapons of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, what's that? That's truth. Well, how do I put on the mind of Christ? Truth. Sword of the Spirit. Knowing the will of God. Listen, are you arming yourself with this stuff? Because, see, this is the number one best-selling book, but it's also the least read book. But when you're spending time in this book, you're spending time with God so that you guys are developing a relationship. It's a marriage. The two are becoming one. Or supposed to be. So if we believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to take every bit of this 66 books by 40 authors, and he wants us to learn it. That's, that's going to take forever. You cannot exhaust it. But are you attempting to? Are you doing anything with it? Do you care about this? Listen, if you have no desire for the Word of God, if you have no desire for the Word of God, what does that mean? I don't know, but beat your body into subjection. Beat your body into hupotasso. Because just getting in this word will change your life forever. Because if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. So even if you do it for the wrong reasons, the wrong reasons, the word of God is living in Powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's important because that's what he's after. 
your heart. What is the intent? I don't know. God does. God can help you with that. Well, I just was wanting fire insurance. It's not about fire insurance. In fact, there's no such thing as fire insurance. I know we joke about it in the church. There's salvation. Christ suffered in the flesh. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. What mind do you have? Listen, that's why, that's why I told you Hebrews 4.12. Discerner the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what this word mind here means? Intent. Arm yourself with the same intent. Well, how do I arm myself with the same intent? I get into the Word of God. I study the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I learn to use it. I learn what it's saying. I learn what it's not saying, so I'm not following somebody that's teaching wrong. I learn what God is saying. I learn to hear His voice, His phone, P-H-O-N-E, so I'm not listening to the phony phone, the phony voice. Or listening to the world that's coming across my phone. Same mind together. It's actually the same thoughtfulness. It's actually the same moral understanding. Or we talked about it last week. The co-perception where we're thinking like God thinks. You know, I can tell you right now, the phone will ring and I'll think, I don't even care who's on there. And then I think, wait a minute, i got to go check the phone because I've got to take care of, of things. I've got to be there as a servant of God. But sometimes I just think, I don't even care who's on the phone. That's flesh. You know, God, He provides holy interruptions. He provides energy to get through them. He provides strength. He provides more and more and more, and He'll never leave you out there. It's a perfect salvation if you surrender to His will, if you decide you want to put on His mind, if you decide that you want to be involved in His kingdom. But it's your choice. Everything else is being made to subdu being subdued. Everything else is in subjection. Everything on the planet, everything in the universe is underneath the authority of God, but He gives you a choice. Do you want to be Subject to God, to His Word. The same way He gave it to Adam and Eve, do you want to be? It gives you a choice. And now you have to make that choice. And if you make the choice that you want to, there's going to be suffering because there's a whole bunch making the choice that they don't want to. But if you want to put on that mind... He says, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Really? Ceased from sin? Now listen, ceased is not this, this, uh, you got to be careful with this word. You got to be careful with this concept. Because ceased is like a stop sign. It means to stop, but then the road keeps going. You stop and you look both ways. You stop and consider. You take thoughts captive. You don't sin the way you used to sin. You don't have your sin nature on the throne. Your flesh is not on the throne, but Jesus is on the throne. But if your sin nature is on the throne, you ain't looking at the Word of God. If your sin nature is on the throne, you ain't listening to the Spirit of God. If your sin nature is on the throne, you don't care about the stop sign because you ain't stopped. You ain't ceased. But when you begin to make a decision to put God on the throne, to put His Spirit on the throne, to obey the Word of God, even if suffering comes, 
you've made a decision to cease from sin. I'm going to, wait a minute, there's a stop sign there. The Holy Spirit says, no, I'm going to stop then. I'm going to reconsider. I'm going to take the thought captive, and I'm going to let the Spirit lead my life, and I'm going to say no to self. I'm going to be dead to self. It doesn't have power over me anymore because I now have power to walk in the Spirit and to obey God. I now know the difference between the two. So you can stop. You're not supposed to live the rest of your life, verse 2, the rest of your time here on this planet. Listen, because it is a short time. It's a short season, 70, 80 years in the flesh, chasing the lust of men before the will of God. See, if we've come to Christ, if we believe in the precious blood, then we're running a race. We're going to finish the race. Our walk, everything about our life now is to do the will of God. It's contained in the word of God. And it's only going to be done the way of God. It can't be done some other way. Oh, my goodness. I never have enough time up here. Um, Let's look at Romans chapter 8. I quote this a lot. Um, Romans chapter 8 really talks about it. Um, 6 is really... We're free from sin. Seven is free from the law. We don't want our works to be in the way. Eight is uh, free from sin ruling in your mortal body. Free to walk in the spirit. See, we, we have this stuff going on in the church now today that you can do anything you want. You have a license to sin because you've already been paid for. But you've been set free to follow Jesus. How do you do that? You walk in the Spirit. You put on the mind of Christ. We've been set free to go out and do the will of God, which we couldn't do with our sin nature. Because we're none righteous. No, not one. It's impossible. We didn't even know God existed. But we've been set free now. And I'm going to really read this. I, I wasn't. I'm going to read it. Oh, my goodness. Because it's 17 verses. Uh, 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, no judgment, who do not walk according to the flesh. Listen, we're not supposed to walk. Some texts don't have that. If your Bible is not a King James, you might not have that, or a new King James, who do not walk according to the flesh, the law or death, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free now from that. No more power over me. No more penalty for it. Uh, And now I put Christ in that position. He is my righteousness. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. It was a covering. The law only provided a covering. Not a one dying the just for the unjust once for all. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Look, he was in sinful flesh, except he didn't have a sin nature. He had flesh just like us. He endured pain. He endured suffering. He went through temptation. He did everything just like you and I do, but his father was the Holy Spirit. So the first Adam didn't infect him with a sin nature. Very important to understand. But his flesh died for us, that, his, that our spirit could be alive. 
His spirit wasn't infected. And then he put that body back on and rose again on the third day and went and presented himself to the disciples. Why did he do that, Greg? On account of sin, the sin nature in the world. He condemned sin in the flesh. He judged it, totally judged, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not, look, look, it's fulfilled in us who do not, look, look, it's fulfilled in us who do not, look, look, oh, stuck record, walk or live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Now that verse is there and that's an important verse because in the text that they don't put that in, they don't finish that in verse 1. It says it again. That's the second time. See, 8.1b, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And there's a bunch of the texts that don't put that verse in, and they go, that's not part of it. There's no condemnation. Wait a minute. He says it a second time as a second witness that your focus has to be on the mind of Christ. Your consciousness has to be focused on doing the will of God. And it's not working into salvation. It's just what salvation entails. It's just the identity of a person who has the Spirit of God in them. It's the place you're supposed to be wanting to live, desiring to live, if you're listening to the voice of God. You don't want to be living according to the flesh, but according to what the Spirit He's going to explain it, verse 5 here. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, not on Christ. See, we're supposed to be of the mind of Christ, setting our mind on His mind, co-perception with Him. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. See, who knows the mind of the Spirit except for God? And then the Spirit is God. He knows the full mind of God. He knows everything that He has for us. He knows the full inventory of the inheritance in heaven. He knows our gifting. He knows what's going on. And when we start having this relationship with God through the Spirit because of Jesus, we can ask the Spirit to correct us and lead us and teach us. For to be fleshly or carnally minded is death. And if you keep your mind fixed on if this is predominantly what you do and everything you do is about getting the, the things that Joneses has and chasing this world and living for this world and my career and my this and my that, it's death. That's death culture. It's death culture. We're citizens of heaven. We want life and more abundantly and it only comes through the Spirit of God. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So you can have life and peace. That's why I can stand at somebody and look at them and go, listen, I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to go through the suffering in my flesh. I don't want to go through the suffering that it takes to get to the death. But I'm also not going to listen to death culture and follow their way to get me killed. I'm going to listen to God. And when he's ready to take me, I'll go. Because I'm indestructible until he's finished with me. You know, and you can test that. You can go jump in front of a truck. It might be your time. I wouldn't test it. Don't tempt God. Jesus didn't. The devil wanted to take him to the top of the pinnacle and tell him to cast himself off of it. Because he quoted scripture to him. He says, because the angels have given protection over you. They won't let you stub your toe against anything. They'll catch you before you hit the ground. Go test them. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to follow. 
We're called to be learners. We're called to listen to the Spirit. We're called to go and do the work of the ministry. But the church today, and I'm not picking on God's bride, there's a remnant that's still doing it. But most of the church today just says, I went to church on Sunday, so I'm good. You're not good for going to church. Nothing good dwells in the flesh. You took your earthly body to church, does nothing for you. If you're not surrendered to the work of the Spirit, where the Spirit is using it to equip you to do the work of the ministry so that souls can be reconciled to God. That's the will of God. That's the mind of Christ. He died in the flesh so that souls would be reconciled to the Father. Your works, my works, they do nothing. Carnally minded, fleshly minded is death, but the spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity. It's an enemy against God and is not subject to the law of God, hupotasso. It does not bow down to God's word, to God's law, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't please God unless it's by faith. Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God for you first must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Listen, you can't diligently seek God without the spirit of God. You can't do it in the flesh. You can't do it by going to church. You can't do it by reading your Bible. You can't do it unless you set your mind on surrender to the will of God. And when you surrender to the will of God, there's going to be some suffering from the world. But we're afraid of this suffering. We're afraid of this pain. We'll get to the end of this. Verse 17. We'll get to it in a minute. Is it 17 or 18? 18. Verse 18. I better move on. We're going to be here all day. I taught Romans once. Probably taught it bad. Because um, you know what? You know, Listen. See, see, people think that, oh, I'm growing in the Lord. You know, the more you grow in the Lord, the more you go back to the Scripture and you go, oh, I got that wrong, didn't I, before? When you grow in the grace of God, you, are, you have a heart for it. You have a spirit for it. You want to teach the Word of God. You want to live the Word of God. But the older you get, the more you say, I don't know nothing about God. I don't understand this grace of God. This is so vast, I can't comprehend it. Boy, I'm glad for the blood of Jesus, but I'm going to keep delving into it and trying to encourage others to do it. But you realize all the mistakes you've made. And God still gave you grace. He still loved you. It wasn't because of your performance in the first place. It was always because of his grace. You can't make him love you anymore. You can't make him kick you out of heaven. You can be deceived and follow the wrong voice. You can follow a phone voice. You can follow the voice of the world. You can follow culturanity. Or you can learn to articulate to hear the voice that lines up with the Word of God. They got to be tandem. They got to work together. They're all in union, just like you are supposed to be in union with Christ with the same mind. Where are we at? Verse 9. Verse 8 the flesh cannot please God. Wait a minute. In my earthly body, I can't please God? No. No. The only one that could was Jesus because his was sinless. His flesh paid for your unjustness, your unrighteousness. Your body's still unrighteous. Your spirit is what he's here to save. And when you're looking to do the will of God with the mind of God, 
You can beat your body into subjection to follow your spirit, to follow to do the right thing, but you're not saved by it. Boy, that's confusing, isn't it? No, it's not. Stop doing what your flesh and your mind and your heart wants to do and start doing what God wants to do. But you, contrast, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. See, if you believe in the blood of Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells in you. You've been given a perfect salvation, perfect ability, perfect power. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead. Flesh is dead. It's crucified with Christ because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Because it's the Spirit that receives the righteousness. It's going to live forever. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. He's going to give you the power to defeat the flesh and walk in the Spirit and beat your body into subjection and be sanctified and conformed into the image of God and do the work of the ministry. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Listen, if you continue to have the mind that you had before you said you believed in Jesus, you're going to die. That's that simple. I know people don't read it that way. You can't stay who you were and go with God. If you say, well, I said a prayer, which is, and you don't change your mind, that's the first word of the gospel, repentance, to change your mind, change your direction. You're still going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Spirit gives you perfect power to do that. Perfect power to begin to put on the Word of God and the life of God and the mind of Christ and to cease from sin. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Look, that's what they want you to do is fear. Not know, but just fear the unknown. That's what we did all of our life. We were afraid. But when you come to God, you shouldn't be afraid of anything but God. But, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, they're married together, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed, wait a minute, uh-oh, let's leave that whole line out. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That's the end of the race. Believing is the beginning. Sanctification is the middle. And if you're being sanctified, putting on the mind of Christ, there's going to be suffering before you're glorified. But, verse 18, and I'll close with Romans 8, for I consider, he's hillbilly, he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Because we're being conformed. When we suffer with Christ, we're being conformed into His image. Now let's run over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. 
I don't know who thought I could get through what I was trying to get through. Listen, I could give this as homework, but I really want to just read it out loud. Philippians chapter 3, Paul speaking. He wrote that letter to Rome. He's writing this letter to the church in the Macedonian region. And he says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Listen, in the Lord, you can always have joy. There's joy in the Lord. Philippians 3.1. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Listen, he's already written it to others. They've read some of these letters. They are called circular letters. They read the same thing. He's writing them again. He's telling them again. I'm telling you again. We're rehearsing it again. We need to know it again. Listen, flesh is death. Concerned about the mind of Christ and living in the Spirit is what life is about because we're always going to be with Him for eternity. Don't get caught up in these earthly physical battles. Live a spiritual life. He says, I'm doing it again. It's tedious, but it's good. It bears repeating. Beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. You ever, you ever see them signs? Beware of dog. Why? Because it'll bite you. Take heed. Look out for. Have regard to dogs. That's those outside the body of Christ. Beware of evil workers. That's those inside the body of Christ that are doing evil work to control you still. Beware of the mutilation. Play on words. Um, that's the circumcision. Concision is what he uses. It means a cutting down. It's a play on words about circumcision. Those that would try to bring you back under the law. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the flesh. You guys reading your Bibles with me? I don't think it says that, does it? We worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Jesus Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. Get a calculator. How much is no? Have no confidence in the flesh. And actually in the King James it says, believe not the flesh. Don't believe your flesh. Oh, well, wait a minute. I think I'm scared of COVID. Don't believe your flesh. Trust God. Wait a minute. I think I'm going to die. Don't believe your flesh. And it actually means to assent to its authority. Don't assent to the authority of your flesh. Don't obey it. Don't trust it. Don't yield to it. That's what it means. No confidence in the flesh, he says. This is Paul speaking. Now listen, verse 4. Though I also might have confidence, I might yield to my flesh. If anyone else thinks that he has confidence in the flesh, in his training, in his teaching, in his schooling, in what the world has taught him, I more so, Paul says. And listen, then he gives you his testimony. He was circumcised the eighth day. That's what the, that was following the law. Is the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee. This is his entire ideology. We go, I'm a Baptist. I'm a non-denominational. I don't even know who I am. I'm a Christian. He says, I'm a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. This is who he was. But he had no confidence in his flesh because he knew it was a spiritual life. But what things were gained to me, these I also counted loss 
for Christ. Anything you think the world is doing for you, the flesh is doing for you, any strength you might have, count it loss in order that you might gain Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss. Now listen, the word count there means to think forward on the other side. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, he wanted to know who Jesus was, what he did, his mind. He wanted to have co-perception with him. He wanted to know the will of God, the knowledge of Christ. Knowing him was the most important thing to him. For whom, listen, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung, King James, rubbish, new King James, why, that I might gain Christ. Not just gain him, but be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law or from my works of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Simple faith. Confident trust that Christ already paid it all, the just for the unjust. The righteousness which is from God by faith. And verse 10 that I may know him, it's all the knowledge of him, and the power of his resurrection. Not resurrection power. Listen, I've told you guys this before. It's not tedious. Be careful with resurrection power. It flips it upside downward. We want to know the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. The miraculous power. The spirit that rose him from the grave because it's a spiritual life. And here it is, fellowship of his sufferings. See, because if we want to be like him, if we want to know the power of his resurrection, we are going to suffer. Koinonia is the word there. It means communion, having all things in common. Being conformed, made like him, rendered like him. To his death. Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God. Who loved me and gave himself up for me. It's a spiritual life. Why is that Paul? If by any means I may attain. To the resurrection from the dead. You know Paul says. Uh, well, he says it right here in 12. Not that I have already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of him who, uh, for which Christ is, hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not account myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press on toward the Goal of the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus. That's a spiritual life. Where's your mind at? The physical? Is your mind on self? Is your mind on your problems? Is your mind on your stuff? Is your mind on your next meal? Is your mind on your seat right now instead of on the truth of the spirit of the word of God? Listen to me. This is very important that we understand that we have to take the mind of Christ. And he gives it to us. Let this mind be in you. Now let's look back at our text and close it out. When we put this mind on, 
to do the will of God by the Spirit of God for the glory of God, our flesh is going to suffer, but we're going to cease from sin because your mind's going to be focused on doing God's will. I mean, you can't focus on practicing righteousness and practicing sin at the same time. Now, you might stumble, but your heart is not going to be, I'm going to practice this sin. And in fact, if you know Jesus, you can never practice sin the same way. The Holy Spirit's going to be there talking to you the whole time. What do I mean by practicing sin? I mean by you having a mind that you're going to do it regardless because I'm already saved. That's a bad mind. That mind is tainted and deceived by dogs and evil workers of the gospel. We've been set free to follow and put on the mind of Christ. We spent, verse 3, enough of our past time in doing the will of the Gentiles or doing the will of the devil, doing the will of man, that word actually is ethnos. I was really surprised when I found that. Ethnos. Doing the will of ethnos. Nations, Gentiles. The heathen is what it probably should have been put down. But everything that's not a Jew is a heathen. So that's Gentiles. When we walked, that's how we lived in lewdness, lust, drunkenness. Now, now there's two words here in the New King James. Drinking parties and drunkenness. But it's not the word methe, which is... The normal word, when it says the drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of God, that's the word methe, which means to be habitually intoxicated with anything. See, our life has to be surrendered to Christ and His will, to God and His will, or we're habitually intoxicated with something else. This is, is uh, lewdness is... Uh, um, lasciviousness, it's, a, it's unbridled lust, it's shamelessness, it's licentiousness where you have a license to sin, it's filthiness, and lust again is the same as its desires, a longing for that which is forbidden, especially for that which is forbidden. And then drunkenness is excess of wine, revelries is rioting you see any rioting in the streets today see this is what we used to do they're still doing it we don't want to follow what they're doing their rioting is not what a child of God would do I don't care what social thing you think is going on a child of God should not be out rioting I don't care what social thing you think you're trying to correct if you believe in the Jesus of the Bible you should not be in the streets rioting I don't care. Sorry. That's what men do to correct things. You know what the children of God do? They pray. They ask God. They use every means possible, but not rioting. You arm yourself with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You get into the Word, prayer, and fellowship. It's a spiritual battle. It's not physical. Rioting is a physical battle. Lewdness is physical. All of these things he's talking about are physical sins and things you do in the body, but we're living for the Spirit. And your spirit has been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. Drinking parties. You know what that is in the King James? It's banqueting. It's banqueting. That's what it, that's what it is, banqueting. 
means a drinking bout. In other words, you just drink and drink and drink. We used to drink. We never got drunk, though, because we never woke up. You just keep drinking and keep drinking. That's what we do in the flesh, people. And you can do it with your fleshly appetites. It doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol. Your fleshly appetites can chase everything else. And it's supposed to be dead. Pursuing the things that are the will of God and the spirit of God for the glory of God. This is sanctification. Sanctification of our souls. We did all of this before we came to Jesus. And abominable idolatries. Pursuing anything but the will of God. I don't have to make anything up. It's image worshiping. It's, it's illegal. It's unlawful things. It's the worship of false gods. Money, sex, drugs, amusement. Just playing. We're, we're soldiers in the army of the living God. We're behind enemy lines. Well, you make it sound like we're not allowed to do anything. You're allowed to do the will of God and follow Jesus. And that's great fun. I mean, I have fun every day. I go to work every day. But you know what I'm looking to do? I'm looking to share Jesus with somebody. And that's great fun. I have great rest and great peace in that. Do I get frustrated? Yeah, when they don't listen. I get real frustrated. I shouldn't. That's flesh. It's not my job to bring them to salvation. But that's just the way my mind works. I want everybody to say a prayer and repent. Become a screaming evangelist like me. Just my desire. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. You mean you don't believe that COVID's going to kill everybody and we all have to have a vaccine and we're going to die? You mean you don't believe that, that Black Lives Matter? You mean you believe you don't believe in CRT? That's critical race theory. You mean you don't believe in evolution? You mean you don't believe in climate change? The science is out, man. You don't believe in same-sex marriage? No, I don't. And they think it's strange. That's why we suffer. You know what suffer could be? It can be the word vex. Vex in your soul. You know that that's what the Bible testifies about righteous Lot. That he was vexed in his soul. He lived in the midst of that crooked and perverse generation of Sodom and Gomorrah. And his soul was vexed. He was the only one sitting at the gate. When the angels came to visit. Nobody else was trying to show hospitality and make sure that those men, disguised angels, had a place to stay. No one else was fighting for them. But his soul was vexed. He was suffering, watching the culture around him decay. It should vex us. We should suffer when we watch people continue to arm themselves in the flesh instead of arming themselves in the spirit. When we watch people who call themselves saints continue to chase everything in the world and think they're okay because they believe a lie that they're okay because they said a prayer. 
That's a lie. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's your definition. There's your evidence. There's your proof. The real sheep are listening for his voice. He knows them. They're looking to follow. They're looking to have the same mind. Don't be deceived by a fake, phony phone, a fake, phony voice. They're not all the same. They don't all lead to heaven. They think it's strange that you're not running with them. You're not following them in the same flood. Remember Noah's day, there was a flood of dissipation. That's of rioting. That's what that dissipation means. Unrighteousness, excess, unsavedness of rioting. Speaking evil of you. So they talk about you evilly. It's these Christians that are keeping us from. It's the ones that call themselves evangelicals that's keeping us from. They're the ones that won't get the vaccine. They're the ones we have to deal with. They're the ones that's going to make us all get sick. That's their new speaking against us today. But it's always been speaking evil against anybody that's the remnant that's living for Jesus. There's always a gossip out there about why it's not true. There's always scoffers. There's always scorners. There's always those out there pointing because you're not running and believing what they believe. And your light is getting in their face. But notice what he says in 5. They will give an account. They're going to have to give a reason. They're going to have to give an answer to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. King James says quick. It means those that are alive. Uh, there's going to be a bema seat judgment for the living, those that believe in Jesus. And there's going to be a white throne judgment for those who don't believe. That's the dead. Born dead and they died dead because they weren't reborn to life. For this reason, the gospel was preached to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. I'm not positive, but I believe that refers back up to Christ, who formerly uh, preached to the spirits that were in prison. He told them the fullness of everything that happened now of the gospel. I'm I'm not sure, but I do know that. Even in Peter's time, he might be talking about everyone that's died before them because people are concerned about the saints that have went before. Uh, Paul writes to him in Thessalonica about that. But the end, and I'm just going to read this and we'll get to it next week, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious, King James, sober, and watch in your prayers. Where does he send us to? dependency upon God. Jesus is praying. He's at the right hand of the Father, and we should be praying. Why? Because we're looking to align our mind, our desires, our hearts, our work, our wills, our way with God. So we need to be in communication with Him. We need to have fresh air from heaven. We need to get it from the Word of God. We need to be praying. Serious or sober means not drinking again. Watch means the same thing. It doesn't mean just to quit drinking. It means to stop drinking and make sure you stay stopped. Listen, watch means this. Where's it at? Here it is. Serious is sober. It means to be of a sound mind, to be in your right mind, to be of a sober mind, to be sane. And then watch means, or watchful means to abstain from wine. Stay sober. 
Don't allow strong drink or any drink to divert you or discredit you. But be in prayer. Listen, the end of all things. He wrote this, what, a couple thousand years ago? Because every day since Jesus ascended is the end. So now today, you and I are one day closer to the end of all things. We don't know the day or the hour, but it's going to happen soon. Death culture is on the march, but you can be in life. You can be living. You can be living life culture. You can be telling others about Jesus. He's life. You can be putting on the mind of Christ. And above all things, what's above all things? Have fervent agape. It can only be accomplished through the Spirit. Have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Love did. The just died for the unjust. God is love. And then he tells us that if we're truly saved, we should have mercy on one another's. We should have love on one another's. We should be covering one another's sins and preaching the gospel to those people that we say are dogs or evil workers. Love. Preaching the truth is love. Telling people the truth, even when you're going to suffer, is love. Listen to me, it's not, it's not good to suffer, it hurts. But you know, the more you suffer, the more you draw near to God. The more you're vexed, the more you should draw near to God. Everything going on in life should draw us to God, should cause us to flee to God as our stronghold, to, to cast our care upon Him. Don't. Go to the dogs and the mutilators and the evil workers that are outside. Go to Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. What mind do you have today? Jesus had a servant mind, a mind to do the will of the Father. When we put that mind on, we're going to suffer. But our suffering is nothing compared to the glory that we'll receive when we're with him. Nothing. Are you ready to give an account? All of us got to give an account to everything we've done in the body. Even when you believe in Jesus, you still got to give an account. The Bema seat judgment. We have to go before the throne room of God not to get cast into hell, but for everything we do in the body of Christ and why we do it. And if it's not done because of the Spirit of God and the work of God for the way of God, for the glory of God, then it gets burnt up with fire also. It's time to wake up and be serious and sober-minded, praying for others and giving fervent love for them. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. Lord, um, forgive us for closing our eyes and living in the flesh. Forgive us for closing our ears and not listening to your word. Lord, we know that you've placed us in this area purposefully. That this little Jerusalem that you've given us, people would come to salvation. So we pray for them even now, Lord. We pray that 
your love would cover their sins, that they would come to salvation. We pray, Lord, that we would be so sober-minded and we would watch and pray, just like you told the boys as you went into the garden and sweated great drops of blood because of the suffering you were going to go through when you were arrested. Lord, you told them to watch and pray, and you've told us to watch and pray. Lord, may we be found doing your will when you come. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. Happy Father. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I